Gus Warland, Jude Bolton and Wendell Saylor. This is the Triple M Rush Hour. Yeah, driving you home on Triple M, it's Gus, Jude and Wendell. And I tell you what, lads, we've got a massive show ahead. In 30 minutes' time, we'll speak to Liz Hayes. She's interviewed so many massive stars across the journey, but I'm, I'm interested to know about El Chapo. She went down on the Mexican cartels with him and the likes of, uh, you know, we've also got Grant Denyer jumping on the show later on, but mm. also we'll get our listeners to solve a first world problem. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, mate, really, really good, buddy. And I love it when the listeners get involved with the first world problem. It's what it's all about. But what about this shark attack that happened last night? Just uh, 7.45 p.m., um, this lady jumps off a private uh, pier, a uh, private wharf into the harbour and a bull shark attacked her. Now, blood loss, leg was, was, was attacked at the moment. She's fine. She's in hospital, obviously going to have to spend a little bit of time getting through those injuries. But thank God there was a, there was a vet uh, walking by that was at least new enough about first aid to be able to sort it out, get the blood loss um, sorted and wait so for the ambos to actually come, but so lucky. So we've got an expert coming in in a moment who can tell us all about that. Uh, he's a guy that understands the Sydney Harbour and what's happening with the sharks at the moment. But I'm worried about you now, Dill, because you... you He's in, the, he's, in the, he's in the harbour more than often, isn't he? Yeah, you're in, the, you're in three or four times a week you're having yep. a swim. Are you going to be safe, brother? Yeah, firstly, uh, to Lauren O'Neill from all of us, hopefully she's okay. We Obviously, we know the shark bites. Uh, it was it looked bad, you know. It's going to be on our socials later probably. But, look, look, I think where I am down there, Barangaroo, you've got the shark nets. I don't think where she was, she swam outside the shark nets. Not Obviously not her fault, but can I say this? Elizabeth Bay, yeah. Yeah. When I was at Barangaroo um, around Australia Day weekend, there was young fellas jumping outside the shark nets. I wanted to be that old guy to say, hey, boys, just yeah. jump inside the shark nets. There was like six or seven, what have been, 12, 14-year-olds jumping outside the shark nets. There's and, holes in the shark nets too, isn't there? Like it's, yep. like the shark yeah. nets not exactly like, no. like a swimming pool or like a, no. a surf pool at the end of a beach. I know, but I'm smart. Like if I go down there for a swim, I'm going to make sure there's people in there already before I go in there, you know? <laughs> so the other day I got a father and son to check, but I actually rung a mate of mine who's, you know, he's big on the fishing and that, and he's just said, look, he hasn't seen too many sharks in and around, but he knows they're there. He goes, as soon as you go out in the heads, uh, you get the sharks there. But you know what? When the sharks start coming on the land, that's an issue. Sharks, you can have uh, you can have the water. <laughs> well, I said I, I said on the Brecky show ten years ago we should cull sharks completely because no. we're humans no. now. I understand that's no. obviously ridiculous, mm. and I've been yeah. educated since. There's only been three shark attacks in the last sort of fifty odd years in mm. Sydney Harbour, but the bull sharks are there. And boys, how often do we hear now yep. things are happening that haven't happened for ages? I yep. feel like the world is spinning at the moment, so don't worry about the fact that it hasn't happened a lot. It may be just around the corner. Uh, absolutely, it. and we're going to speak to an expert next, marine biologist Lawrence Klebeck. We all heard about the shark attack last night at Elizabeth Bay and thankfully the 29-year-old is in a stable condition but we thought we'd get a marine biologist on in Lawrence Klebeck to join the show and just tell us a bit more about the shark. Hey, how you going? Thanks for having me. Mate, it's a pleasure, Lawrence. Now, we all know you don't you don't jump in the water too early or too late in the day. Um, is that still right with all the changes that have been happening in our sharks and how many there are now? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what, what happens with this is when there's times of low visibility, be it at nighttime or perhaps after a heavy rain when the water's real cloudy, the shark is really relying on their sense of taste to investigate the uh, environment around them. And while it may be harmless to them, it, we, as we can see, it can be very traumatic and potentially fatal for us. So it is really important that we avoid swimming at times of low water visibility. 
Lawrence, uh, Wendell Saylor here. We all know that if we jump into the water, we're in the shark's territory. So I know I've got mates who are fishermen and, you know, they, they love their fishing, but they they said there's heaps of sharks everywhere. I'm, I'm surprised with all, like, the Ironman stuff and uh, around uh, the Opera House over the years, there hasn't been more attacks. Yeah, you know, it's it's been it's been lucky. It, there have been interactions in the harbour before, but it's a it's a testament to um, to a shark's ability to investigate and identify things. When when the water is clear and it's it's a bright sunny day, we don't have too much trouble. It's really those times that's dawn, dusk, night, or like I said, after a heavy rain. These are the times that are especially dangerous. Lawrence, why are we seeing so many sharks in the harbour at the moment? Well, we see the bull shark is a, is a species of shark that can handle brackish or freshwater environments. They sometimes find them hundreds of k's up rivers. And so they really are attracted to these estuaries and harbours. You know, being an urban harbour like, like Sydney, there's a lot of refuse and waste going into the harbour. And the sharks see these and I can identify these as easily good feeding opportunities. Mm. You know, back in the 20s and 30s, we think about all the abattoirs that were on the on the on the harbor just throwing refuse into the water and these really built up a large shark population and they knew this intelligence is generational so they know that they can get an easy feed in the harbor look i'm a young man who uh or not young now but i grew up in north queensland and plenty of sharks and crocodiles up there but everyone oh, yeah. used to say um dusk dawn don't swim uh you know because obviously sharks but can i tell you if it's midday and sharks are hungry you're in, you're in barney trouble you're in trouble yeah, that's right. And that's why, that's why we've got to look at other things as well. You know, we always swim with a buddy and we always want to, you know, uh, do things like avoid swimming where people are fishing or if you see birds diving or things like that. And this is exactly why the best way to reduce our risk of shark bite is educating our families and communities about being able to identify what are high risk situations and, and then when there's a, there's a relatively low risk because we, there, there are times and places where we can get in and enjoy the ocean where that risk is fairly low. Lawrence, I really appreciate you joining the Rush Hour. It's such a big part of our lifestyle here in Sydney yeah. and also all, all along the coastline in New South Wales. So I really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Anytime. <laughs> Stop singing. Mate. That's someone's <laughs> favourite song yeah. and you're singing over the top. I actually Look, thought he did that quite well, yeah, actually. Yeah, Jude's <laughs> just a hater sometimes just because Bloody. he wasn't on Mars Singer. That's all. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Booted off Mark's nasty look out. Number four. Now, I'll tell you what, lads. <laughs> I want to address something because yesterday <laughs> we got onto the topic of Crocs mm. and things got a little bit heated. Let's have a listen. I know you're an advocate yeah. of uh, you know Crocs and you wear them into studio and you've got your yeah. hobbit yeah. feet and the like, but <laughs> this has been bobbing up at local gyms across the country and it's it started, there was a bit of a trend in some of the basketball weights rooms and some of the football teams have been wearing them at their, at their clubs. Mm. But socks and Crocs in the gym. I just don't yeah. understand it. I just think it's just ridiculous. What you're upset about, you two clowns, is that you didn't get onto this whilst everyone else Mate. was getting onto it. Now you've been left behind with your dodgy bloody thongs. It's all about the Crocs, mate. Left behind, please. You, mate, you mate. have been. Mate. You, you, you thought if you just keep bagging Crocs, then you just everyone will jump on board. It's wrong, mate. People who try them get given to them, maybe as a joke and a novelty to start with, they're wearing them over the top of, uh, over the top of thongs mm. now because, A, they do the same job, they're bloody comfortable, and they're cheaper as well. So you two can go and shove it up your jacksy. Crocs are here to stay. <laughs> and also they're very ugly. The only two people I've seen wear them oh. in and around Triple M are you and Candace Warner.
Uh, well, so there you that go. Says a lot. Two that glamours. speaks volumes right <laughs> there. <laughs> Two glamours. Oh, yeah. I know you're feeling good about yourself when you're trying yourself They should be reserved solely for hospital surgeons, <laughs> yeah. you know, in their yeah. scrubs. They just need the, you know, the soft shoes to get around the hospitals. That's all. Mate. It's just, I mean, honestly, no. boys, let, can, I, can, can we do a little experiment? Yeah. Can I buy you a pair each, okay, of a, of a colour that you want mm. and you just wear them? for a couple of weeks when you'd normally wear your thongs. Not don't wear them all the time. And you tell me after that two weeks that they're not your favourite no. bloody shoes. For those moments when I run out to put the bins out, I've forgotten it. I just need to mm. put something on. I'll probably put them on then and maybe throw them in the bin as I'm going out. That's yeah, about that's, all. But that let's, is disrespectful. Let's put it out to our wonderful yeah. listeners. Let's let's solve a first world oh, yeah, problem. Oh, yeah, no, they're really close. Crocs, <laughs> yes or no. The phones have lit up Gussie Warland on the back of one of these. Yeah, exactly right. First world problem, Crocs or not, and Crocs or not, as far as I'm concerned, Crocs are in. I've, I've been inundated by mates of mine just giving it to me and also on the quiet, just with a little bit of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, telling me I'm into a bit of Crocs too. But one of my great mates, Zoobs, up there on the central coast near Copacabana, there's four people in his car. Adults are definitely hell no. <laughs> The kids are big fat, yes. So there's oh. 50% going just from that car. Let's go to our callers on 13353. Alison, what are your thoughts, Crocs or not? Oh, definitely, yes. I love my Crocs. <sighs> Yee! Yeah! Is it about okay. comfort or what, what, are, what is it about for you, Alison? Uh, it's the comfort. I've been wearing them ever since they first came out. Mm. And friends used to give me so much from wearing them. And now they've started wearing them. Okay, yeah, so you, ugly. you've worn it until it's become cool. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hey, you're there now. That's the main thing. Good on you. Let's go to Glenn in Sinclair. How are you, Glenn? Hey, good day. How you going, boys? Good, good mate. mate. Crocs, yes or no? I was a no, but then I got a pair given to me a couple of years ago for a birthday present or whatever it was. I love them. Um, I know they look ugly, but they're great. I If they could put steel caps on them, I'll use them for work. But yeah. do you wear them out in public, Glenn, or not? Yeah, I do. Oh, I know, you, mate. Not bad. Hey, hey, look, when you look as good as me, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh, wow. I make them look better. Wow, Glenn, soft praise is no praise. Anyway, let's, let's go. <laughs> Coming let's, from Dell. Let's go. To, oh, sorry. Let's move on. Tanya, how are you going? From Georgia School. There you go, oh, Tanya. Tanya. Tanya, please, like, boys. It's a, def- um, a yes or no, it's a, Tanya? It's a definite no. You may as well Thank roll you. over and die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true testament. You've given up, haven't yeah. you? Is that right, yeah, Tanya? It is. You're hey. one step away from wearing a wife beater out in public. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, can I just ask you a quick, a quick question? Have you ever tried them? Um, I have, and I don't find them comfortable, and oh, they are ugly as all sin. Tanya's our sort of crew. Let's finish this off with Ben. How are you, Ben? G'day, guys. How you going? Mate, Good Crocs, mate. yes or no? Mate, I'm a definite yes, but oh. not why you think I am. Why is that? Why? Well, too often you have to talk to someone to determine whether they're a Muppet or not, Crocs are a good visual aid. <laughs> to determine you're a Muppet. <laughs> you need the visual aid. So oh, well, I tell so you what, funny. there's people still flooding the lines, but let's go to a drum roll for the percentage. Come on. 96% said yes oh, to Crocs. Mate. Would yeah! you believe it? Mate, that's How? That's, that's How? I'm done. I'm done. I'm oh, done. my God.
and a star has walked into the studio. We don't have a real clock sound effect, so that's just me, but then I forgot that I have to read this as well. I'm the voiceover guy. Tonight on Six Minutes with the Rush Hour, an Australian journalist, author, reporter and TV presenter. But has she also been a part of the Channel 9 network for over 40 years? We get to the truth. Right now, yes, she has. From the Today Show, National 9 News and, of course, 60 Minutes since 1996. She's a much better storyteller than we are. Trust us, she's seen all that and more in a book that you can read. Her life and stories called... I'm Liz Hayes. A memoir. Please welcome Australian journalistic royalty. It's Liz... Hello, I'm Liz Hayes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Great to have you in the studio, Liz. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God, what a welcome! <laughs> you deserve well, it. Yeah. yeah, you do deserve oh, it. We 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 don't have many people like you in our studio, so <laughs> we'll, we'll take them when we can. Look, c- congratulations on the book. No doubt, you've got many many stories to tell. Enough for a few more books, I imagine. But what was it like just getting it all out, or at least some of the stuff all out? Oh, uh, grim. Sometimes <laughs> horrific. Uh, sometimes enjoyable. It was tough, actually. If anybody had to write their story, I think everybody, well, anybody who does will tell you it's it's not easy. It's easier mm. to tell other people's stories, always. Mm. Liz, you've been a star on our on our TV screens for over 40 years. I mean, just bring out a, bringing out some of these anecdotes, I mean, looking at some of the things like interviewing Bruce Springsteen mm. in a dunny in oh, Ireland. I like, know. tell us how that Eventuates. Well, that was because we were to interview him in Ireland and he happened to be in a place that was going to, what well, was a football ground, I think. And, um, and we met him. He was uh, gathered under the stadium, which is where it was pretty big, I must admit. Um, but the only place we had available to interview him was in the toilet. In the toilet. <laughs> and it's, look, he was How did fine. he take that? <laughs> he was Fine, and so was I. So I think I sat on one toilet, and he might have sat on another <laughs> or something. But it was, you know, good man. You know, he's an old hand. We look at celebrities. We look at people, uh, you know, like the Queen, Nelson Mandela, and that. Who's been your uh, your best, I suppose, celebrity or high profile person that you've interviewed that you just walked away and went, "Wow, that was amazing." Well, look, I did think Dustin Hoffman was a surprise. Yeah. Um, he came in to do an interview about us. Uh, a film that he'd done, but he wouldn't leave. And so the PR, his own PR was like, it's time to go. And he's going, oh, no, you go. I'm oh, having well. a good time. So that was a surprise. Um, Will Smith was a oh, surprise yeah. because, you know, he would go on to slap someone a bit later. Yeah. But at the time he was, wow. Well, I don't I don't think there's any part of my hand he didn't kiss. You know, he was just Oh, that. really? Was, oh, yeah, he was very flirtatious. Yeah, tell yeah. <laughs> well, he's only human. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure about <laughs> I could have been his mother. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what what about we're a music station, obviously. Billy Joel is someone we play oh, quite regularly. And we, yes. Billy Joel cruising around his hometown in oh, one of his old, yes. old cars. Can you can you take us back to that? How much you're looking forward to it? And was it a good day? It sounds like it would have been a cracking couple of hours. Well, it was a couple of days actually, because oh. we went to the uh, Madison Square Garden and it turned out to be his last concert before COVID hit. So that was, you know, we were backstage with him in rehearsals and then, you know, for the actual um, concert, which was brilliant. Madison Square Garden is an extraordinary place. Um, And, of course, they all love him. And then the next day we go out to where he lives and he's also a car buff and a... a, 
um, motorbike buff, and he has this museum, uh, which he keeps for himself, mm. but anybody can go in there. And then he turned up in his favourite green old Mercedes and said, you know, jump in, let's go for a ride around How his cool hometown. Is that? It's it was awesome. It was cool. But what was really cool is the cops pulled us over just to say hello to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's happened off your list. Liz Hayes is in studio with us, her new book, I'm Liz Hayes, a memoir. Now, Liz, I want to ask you about some of the most dangerous assignments. You've been down in the El Chapo tunnels in Mexico. Have you feared for your life? I have felt in danger um, in a lot of different places. I mean, the odd war zone is not great for the odd, you know, miss the bullets that come around. Um, being in um, Singaloa, which is El Chapo's territory, is not great for journalists because they have a habit of killing them. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and look, just being in a crowd, a mob, they can turn. You put yourself in harm's way, like, when, you know, when there's a, there's a war on or something and obviously, you know, we talk about the cartels. At what stage do you think, mm, Oh, this is often. Not... Yeah. yeah. Often. I did that. Is, an... is it worth the story? That's what I want to know. No, it's never worth losing yeah. your life. No, I know, but you, you guys, you seem to... Put yourselves in it and well, it's you, amazing. You take risks. You, they're calculated risks, though. And, but I did, I did say in an emerald mine, uh, a mine in Colombia, I can't go any further. Mm. And the crew continued on and I just felt pathetic and I wandered out. But then the roof caved in over their heads and they came out and realised <sighs> maybe I wasn't so stupid. I mean, I felt really yeah. pathetic. I really did feel, um, you know, I, I should have had a bit more courage. But ultimately... Like, you know, I'm going to put that down to instinct, yeah. a little woman's instinct. Yeah. I think and I've worked on the day. And experience <laughs> as well. And there's no, if you feel that way, you've got to look after yourself. You've got people at home that are, that are waiting for you and, and love you. What, what about, we've all been in the media now for quite a while. We've mm. interviewed people, we've looked forward to meeting with them and it's been a bit of a lead balloon for whatever reason. Have you had one, Liz, that you can, you can talk to us about where you've met a hero or met someone that you're excited to, to speak to, but in the end it was a bit of a dance squid? Oh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, I really wanted to like him. I yeah. really, really wanted to like him. What did he do that made you? Uh, oh, respond? he came in. He came in. He just—I don't even know why he turned up. He asked for porridge. Yeah. He wasn't in the mood. Yeah, big ego. Asked him about drugs. Which he'd yeah. done a big thing about drugs because he's really cleaned up his act. He was an sure. amazing yeah. um, uh, role model, I thought. And he said something I can't repeat okay. and um, walked out. Oh, I was kind so of disappointed in that. I thought we can do better, Bobby. Yeah. This is the, they're stories that really have baffled you as well. I mean, we've always sort of looked back at the MH370 and the like and under investigations tackled that at times. Are there stories that just you've sat back and gone, it's completely baffled me? Well, it's interesting you mentioned under investigation because all of those cases are yet to be solved. Yeah. And I find it extraordinary that so many cases are not solved. And, uh, and there have been opportunities when they could have been, in my opinion, um, and for whatever reason, those opportunities have been lost. And it includes a lot of things like policing and just an attitude sometimes. Mm. But I'm shocked at the number of people who go missing in Australia, never to be seen again. Yeah. That is outrageous, really. It's in the thousands. Wow. But Liz, even, even your family life, the way away from that, um, look, look, I'm one of those guys who do my research. Um, oh, I apparently, like that. Yeah, <laughs> apparently your brother was a pretty fair water, water skier back in the day. Uh, not my brother. That might be an ex-husband. Thanks oh, for the ex-husband. research. Oh, ex-husband. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that, yeah. that lengthy and, research. And, and obviously, Tari girl. 
Tariqa. Yeah, so yeah. But we're rugby league. Fans. I know. You yeah. know, that's you know, we parked the car at the oval the night before to make yeah. sure you got a front yeah. row seat. So Latrell Mitchell, he's obviously from there, and Danny Badiris said Tari ran Tari. Say that again. Danny Badiris and uh, Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Mm. I mean big stars. Yeah. Sorry about your ex husband, but you know what? Marriage is something you've got to work on. So that's, <laughs> that's one thing I know. Oh, thank you for that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Liz, so so long at Channel Nine. There must have been moments where you know other stations are coming knocking and so forth. Is there is there a loyalty there? Is they've always looked after you? You felt like you could be your best self there, or was there that time where you went, oh, it might be better to go for a couple of other zeros across the road? Oh uh, no, look, you know, um, stupidly, I haven't been motivated by the money. Okay. Um, I did start at well, I started in newspapers, but in television, I started at Channel Ten. Mm-hmm. And so I was poached by Channel 9. Yeah. And to be fair to them, um, they have gone out of their way to keep me. Uh, and, and it's not like I've been seeking the back door or sliding out the side. It's just that they have always, when I've asked you, and I'm, if I know you've done your research, yeah. Wendell, so you, oh, know, yes. you know that I went and asked for a pay rise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know all about that. Yeah, I'm not that um, great at research, but I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, look, um, you know, there have been some tough moments and I've taken on, you know, the, the hierarchy when required, but they've responded, and I guess that's the bottom line. I've had mm. a good uh, reception when I've needed them to hear me. Hmm. Well, Liz, we could spend so much time, but uh, you can check it all out. Liz Hayes, I'm Liz Hayes, a memoir and also under investigation returns to nine and nine now on February 7th. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, look, thank you. Thank I you feel privileged to yeah. be here. It's the rush oh, hour. I don't believe <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, Gussie, there's a Sydney suburb that is sinking. It is sinking, mate. And what's happened? Len Lease built all these homes in a, in a place that they call Jordan Springs East Development, which is out um, near Kingswood in that area of Sydney's west. And 18 houses of that particular setup are sinking into the ground. Some sort of problem with the sort of the, the, the filler, if you like, that sort of um, sits underneath the foundations of the home. Now, 17 homes are getting bulldozed starting in February. One these are brand bro- new. He's absolutely brand spanking. People have bought them. Lendlease have bought them back off the people, so yeah. they're not out of money that way. Okay. But one bloke in particular said, nah, I like it. I'm living here. So these 17 are getting bulldozed and one is staying up at the Jeez. moment. But what an absolute nightmare. You, 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 you go and uh, get yourself a home and then sort yeah. of six months later, he's only born, he's only done a couple of years ago, all of a sudden you've got to find new accommodation. A real worry for people that have bought those houses, Del. Yeah, you're right, Gus. We've been seeing a bit of this in and around uh, the industry. So, you know, I feel for people, you know, young families, older families, you know, could be retirement funds, you never know. But, uh, you know, they need to get to the bottom of this stuff, so, yeah. Absolutely. They're saying it's understood one resident did not accept Lendlease's offer to buy back his home and while, oh, will wow. stay while a string of one- and two-storey dwellings either side are wiped out. Wow. Exactly. Digging He's the in. one guy. He's the one guy who said, no, nah, I'm, I'm staying. So good on yeah. him and I hope... I suppose they can sort that out yeah. for him, hopefully. But uh, let's just get that job done properly right off the bat. Of good course. on Lendlease, who did the wrong thing initially, but they've bought the houses back. At least they haven't got that to worry about. Time for this. Yeah, lots going on in the world of sports. Start the ball rolling, Dill. Night star Callum Ponga, the main man, has confirmed he will not be featuring in this year's NRL All-Stars. Hard for them, but I imagine Night Star, uh, you know, Knights fans, Queensland fans are very, very happy that he's not going to play in that game. 
Yeah, good decision for Kalen. It's going to be a long season. He's not just the money man of uh, Newcastle, but, you know, he'll be in that Queensland mix. But also, week in, week out, you want to see a player like him play. Um, this is going to – the All-Stars will still be good. There'll be some players there. Someone else will step up. But, um, yeah, Kalen, what a, what a wonderful year. Dell M uh, medalist. Now, Dell, the uh, Canterbury Bulldogs have confirmed they've released former captain Raymond Fatala Mariner to the Dragons. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I'm glad that Raymond has found a new home. And the Dragons, you know, they need some experience here. So, obviously, him being a club captain – from what all reports, Raymond's a really good guy, works really hard. So I, I found it hard that he, within 12 months he was the club captain and then he got a tap on the shoulder and tried to move on. So um, the Dragons are rebuilding there. So Shane Flanagan, uh, he's putting the, um, you know, the jigsaw puzzles together and um, hopefully uh, it works. Gussie, cricket's night of nights. The Ellen Border medal. Give us mm. your test player of the year. Uh, I think that'll be Uzi. Yep. 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 What about the one-day player of the year? Well, Maxwell's in the in the discussion, but I think it's got to be Travis Head. Yeah. Uh, your AB medalist, the overall? Uh, Pat Cummings, I reckon. Overall, because he plays both um, Forms, all yeah. three formats yeah. and stuff, I reckon he'll be the guy. And Belinda Clark, medalist. Well, this is tough because there's been so many girls that have been there with thereabouts, but I'm going to go with Ash Gardner. Yeah, good call. Good call. Yep. Right, our Australian Open boss Craig Tiley won't bow to player pressure and change new rules around spectator movement as he vowed to look at every avenue to reduce match lengths. We know that so many games finished in the early hours of the morning. Your thoughts, Gussie? I think he should not worry about that too much. I think the players, you know, they get – I know at times scheduling doesn't work for them, but at the end of the day, people are spending a lot of money on those tickets. They get paid an f- absolute fortune. My gut feeling is a bit old school, I suppose, but it's like, you know what, just play when you're told to play and just get on with it. Now, Dale, while all eyes were on the Oz Open, Bernard Tomic actually won the uh, ITF Chennai tournament in India, currently ranked 290th in the world. Tomic has been on the comeback trail just quietly, but his rise failed to secure him a wild scarred spot for the Australian Open. Your thoughts? Yeah, Bernard. Um, yeah, uh, look. Uh, yeah, Bernard. Uh, just, I'm not interested in Bernard, but good, good night. No, I, I don't think his heart's in it, you know? I don't think his heart's oh, in it. Mate, but good, isn't his heart in it the fact that he's over in India having yeah. a crack trying to get back on? Like, I, I, I no. admire that. No. I haven't been a fan in the past. No. I admire the fact that he's trying his best yeah. to get back in there and having to win a qualifier or a tournament no. in India when no one else is there and earning, what, 20000 Rupees no. or something? Oh, I'm off him. I've given him enough chances, mate. No more chances for you, Bernard. Beat well, he, it, mate. He fell down, wow. he fell down to 825 mm. ranking yeah. in 2022. Yeah. He's, so he's, he's chipped away at it. He's got to be better. That's all I can say. Tell you what, in this studio, the work ethic gets questions a fair bit. <laughs> and none more so when uh, Wendell Saylor actually said that he'd prepared for Liz Hayes and fell flat on his face. But uh, all good. Now, hey, Gussie, tell us a bit of a story here. What have we got? I have had a report, uh, Jude and Dill, come across my desk from the Masters Builders Association. And they're basically saying we're getting to a critical point now where we won't have enough workers in the next couple of decades unless we lift our game. They reckon youngsters in particular when it comes to trades, there's not enough of them. So just to give you some sort of numbers, nearly 70,000 people in New South Wales were trade-based with their apprenticeships last year. Um, There's been a drop this year so far of nearly 6%. Now, if this continues, we'll get to the point where we don't have enough workers for the type of jobs that are required because, of course, we're getting bigger and spreading and so forth. One of the main reasons for this, they're saying, is because sort of this younger generation, if you like, 
aren't exactly into hard work. Um, there's more people now doing their apprenticeship or at least starting their apprenticeship and leaving within one or two days. One bloke said he put an apprentice on and he left at lunchtime on day one because it was 30 degrees and it was too hot and he wanted to go home. So it just got us thinking, didn't it, Jude, that perhaps there's some people out there listening to us that would love to tell a story of that lazy guy or girl in and around the workplace. Absolutely. One triple three five three. Dobbin, your lazy co-worker. So many callers to get through, Gussie. Yeah, let's start the ball rolling. Let's go to Penrith and speak to Ken. G'day, Ken. How are you, brother? How are you, fellas? Good. Yeah, good. Good, good. Yeah, mate, I, uh, my previous position, I had a, uh, a girl next to me in the sort of desk cubicle next to me, and uh, at least twice or three times a day, she'd spend an hour in the, in the toilets. Um, and then on top of that, once a week, she'd go and do the stationary groceries, whatever, for the office, and she'd be gone half a day. Um, and then... <laughs> Basically, uh, yeah, she shuffled paper and, and you know, type away on her keyboard, but I don't think she was doing a great deal. So, uh, and to top it off, uh, two days before my probation, I get the punt because uh, management wanted a change of, um, you know, situations in the uh, oh, in the office. Wow. Oh, you got the punt. Oh, wow. I got the punt. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. Shuffling so, of yeah, the paper. You know, <laughs> I should have done what she done. I'd still be there. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go to Jazz in Liverpool. Hi, Jazz. How are you? Good. <laughs> Time to dob in your lazy work co-worker. Oh, I used to work in an RSL, and the cellarman I noticed was walking around with a clipboard in his hand for a couple of hours, and I said, what are you doing? He said, management don't ask any questions when I walk around with a clipboard in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. Eight hours, eight solid hours of walking around the RSL with a clipboard. Oh, God. Wow, that's so you know, good. George Costanza yeah. used to say, if you just look angry all the time, then people won't disturb you because you've obviously gone from one meeting, got things on your mind, yeah. you know. Let's go to Kevin there. Kevin, how you going, mate? All right? Hey, hey, Kevin. How are you? Good, hey, mate. Kevin. Mate, come on, mate. Who's your lazy co-worker? Oh, mate, we had a young bloke working with us there and we work in traffic control, so we're out on the road and... We're arranging what time we're going to meet up on the Friday morning, and he turned around and said to me that it doesn't work the weekends, so he can't come in on a Friday. He can't work weekends at all. Oh. Is he good? <laughs> Three day weekends. Three mate, week- every oh, weekend. Every weekend. <laughs> I'll have that job, please. That's yeah. exactly taking the pay. Exactly. Let's go to Janet. Finish this off, Janet. How are you? Oh, hello there. It's Annette here. How are you? Hi, Annette. Hi, how are you? Uh, can you dob in your lazy co-worker? <laughs> Absolutely. It was, a, it was many moons ago and it was a young bloke who was employed by his mother to clean on the weekends um, at an aged care facility that I was working at. Yep. So this young bloke would go out partying all weekend and he'd come in on the weekends and he'd show his face, but then he'd go and sleep in the mortuary. <laughs> oh, oh, <what>? oh. <laughs> you chose to sleep no, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How big's your weekend well, when you're yeah. going out like that? Well, no, I, I suppose there's a bit of silence down there, I suppose. I was oh, going to say, they always say, mate, you can uh, sleep when you're dead. You know, that's <laughs> oh, oh, Bing, bing, dang, oh. dang, a hero week. <laughs> Game show royalty is joining us now. Our next guest's talents tower over that of other entertainers, assuming that those other entertainers are Danny DeVito. Look, he may not be the tallest fellow we've ever interviewed, but it's a tall order listing all of his achievements. I mean, he's a motor racing driver, a radio and TV presenter, and a gold Logie winner. He's the human equivalent of a can of Red Bull in both energy and dimensions. You'll know him from shows like Family Feud, Dancing with the Stars, and he's the new host of Deal or No Deal. Please welcome to the Rush Hour, it's It's Grant Denyer.
Yeah, how are you doing, Grant? Welcome to the show, mate. Great to chat. How are you, fellas? Yeah, good. Mate, yeah. we're fantastic. Deal or no deal, one of television's most successful formats ever. 325 productions of the show worldwide. And, of course, contenders must beat the banker to win that cash prize of 100000 You are built for this show, my friend. <laughs> it is so great to have you on it. How much are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's 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 bloody unreal to be honest. It's heaps better than I thought it would be. So it's it's about time we sort of shook up those other sleepy game shows and showed them who's boss. It's war out there now, Gus. It's war. Great. I mean, it's a six pm uh, kickoff. I mean, it's up against the news. But if you're anything like me, I've got young kids. I'm always worried about like the kids being exposed to what the topics are on the news. This is a great opportunity for families, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm glad you spotted that, mate. I reckon that's kind of our, our number one um, appeal. And I'm the same with you. I've got three little girls. And just as you're getting dinner ready at night time and everyone's still milling around the lounge room in the kitchen, you you don't really want, you know, as the world gets a little bit darker and scarier, you certainly don't want to expose them to that sort of stuff. So we're going to be the little island you can go to and you can safely all sit on the couch together and have a real good time, watch great Australians win big amounts of money and, you know, just have a laugh with your family. You know, we all deserve a little bit of, of, of escapism. Hmm. Uh, Grant, it's quite funny. Um, you know, you've worked in the industry a long time, and my friend here, Drew Bolton, is an AFL expert, and I've been lucky enough to work with you. The last time I think we caught up, it was Barry Hall, uh, yourself, and, and me. And uh, mate, can I just tell you, you're in the middle, and you're looking very short. Uh, I think it was Family Feud, and, oh, and, and the league boys lost. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, that looked ludicrous. It looked like it was bring your son to work day. It was. Uh, <laughs> and I, think you, I think you stood on the box too. Oh, <laughs> oh mate, come yeah, on, a guest. <laughs> yeah, the good the good part is now I've got plenty of briefcases to stand on. I've got plenty of them. Yeah, you are the you are the best, mate. What about you personally? Um, I, I love your vulnerability. I love the fact that you've been so open. You and your missus with the podcast and so forth. Uh, in terms of you, mate, how are you travelling? How's everything going? For you yeah i'm probably the best i've ever been gussie to be honest like you know when if, if i'm honest when i've sort of made television in the past particularly being a young bloke coming up i never really had much confidence you know i had massive imposter syndrome and i didn't feel very worthy and i had very mm. low self-esteem so i was always one that kind of instead of being myself i, I just kind of copied a lot of people when i when i was a host so i was a a little bit of Rove McManus, a little bit of Daryl Summers, a little bit of Larry Emder, a little bit of Bert Newton, but I was never really – I was just the pieces of other people. But now I'm kind of at a stage where in my life where I'm, I've done a lot of work on myself. I've he- healed a lot of, you know, the past trauma, and, and I'm enjoying television more than I ever have, probably because I'm doing it from a, an, an authentic point of view for the first time in my life. So it's really I'm, – I'm loving it. And Grant, Very what, proud of you, mate. Grant, what about the racing? Will we see you at Bathurst this year? Mate, I, I will be. I'm also – I'll be uh, racing myself for Lamborghini in the Bathurst 12-hour again, which is uh, oh. which is unreal. So wow. we fin- we finished first in class there two years ago, and hopefully we can sort of um, – it's a, it's a race I've never won outright. I finished second, so it's kind of one of the ones I'm still yet to claim. After winning a couple of championships, I've never managed to lock down a win there. Stood on the podium plenty of times, but hopefully this one uh, might be the year. Yeah, me and you both, mate. Hey, I was going to ask you, like, for you with your work ethic, how do you split your time with your family and obviously your work? How do you get that balance right, mate? I've got a family? (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, it's good, mate. Look, uh, when you're filming game shows, you tend to do them in bulk. So we'll film five five game shows a day. We'll film 15 in 72 hours. So that allows me to go back to the family. And, look, I'm not a red carpet walker and – and TV is kind of one of those games. It's, it's very easy to sort of get in your in your ego and 
and think you're uh, the bee's knees and above everyone else. But, you know, I, I ground myself by going back to the farm and, and being with my girls and, and that sort of sort of brings me back to normal and, you know, make sure that I don't run away and, and, and get a big head. So mm. it's, it's, it's a nice balance that it's taken me a long time to figure it out, but I finally got there. Well, it's one Good of our on favourite game shows and you can catch Deal or No Deal with Grant Denyer at 6pm weeknights on 10 and 10 play. Grant, appreciate you joining the Rush Hour, mate. Thanks for having me, gang. Yeah, don't worry about that news at 6 o'clock. Come and have some fun with us. <laughs> You're a good man, mate. Well played, Grant. Big show tomorrow. I'm actually up here on the Gold Coast because I'm going to be doing the book launch for Bonnie Hancock and we're going to have her on the show tomorrow. She went round Australia on a kayak by herself. So wow. we'll be talking to her tomorrow with all the, well, guys, there were moments there she never thought she was going to make it. Well, tell her from one side to another sailor. Well done. Hello, sailor. <laughs> See you tomorrow, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. The Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell. Weekdays from 4 on Triple M.